I'm very excited today to welcome to the Diving In studio somebody who is at the coalface of publishing. Kate Sutherland has the enviable role as the publisher of children's and young adult books at Fremantle Press here in Western Australia, which is an independent publisher of mostly West Australian authors. Welcome to the Diving In podcast. Thank you, Louise. Kate, I know originally you studied law and you worked as a solicitor. Could you share with us a little bit of your path to becoming, or the pivot to becoming, uh, an author? Uh, an author. Well, m- maybe <laughs> no, yeah. maybe that's in the future. We'll talk about that. What I meant to say was the path to becoming an editor or publisher. Yeah, of course. I did practice law for a while, and then I went travelling. And while I was away, I decided that really that wasn't the job for me. And uh, so when I came back, I went back to university to finish my arts degree because in those days you had to start with another degree to get Mm. your law degree and volunteered at UWA Press with a view to then having some experience on my CV that I could then pitch myself to Fremantle Press. Right, okay. Were you involved you were involved with the Writers Festival as well? Yes, I was. So from uh, at that stage UWA Press and the Writers Festival shared the premises Ah, at Stuart House and through that I met lots of the festival people and then when the writers festival coordinator role came up they said would I like to do that and I don't need to dig deep into your your motivations but were, were you a reader did you love books was, yeah yeah okay it was all about working with books and yeah. had I known that publishing existed as a job when I left school I would have firmly pitched in that direction yes. right from the get-go so many lawyers say that don't they <laughs> they all say that had I known this other job existed that I would do that I know that well. And so how did you ultimately end up in the genre of children and young adult books? Was that what was available or was that a particular passion? It was more, it was that an, it was an area that Fremantle Press wanted to grow. And at that stage, we had just one publisher, Ray Coffey, and he was looking after the entirety of the list. Wow. And that was an area that Although he enjoyed it, he wasn't as passionately interested as some of the other aspects. Yes. So there was an opportunity there to carve out a niche. And to to build. Yeah, Yeah. to build that list. That's excellent. I've always been interested in this because, as we know these days, most people, when they're writing a book, they have to submit it online. But I think our listeners would like to understand a little bit about the process of you know, what happens to a manuscript once it hits your desk and what, what happens moving forward? Yeah, of course. So we accept unsolicited manuscripts. So any Western Australian author can submit to us and it all comes in, as you say, electronically. And then it goes into a big register and we go through them chronologically, basically. Mm. And I read all of the children's manuscripts. Wow. And of the ones that really stand out, I'll usually then get a second reader to have a look before we go to pitch meeting if we really love them. Mm. Um, and then the whole team gets to have a look at, usually everyone won't read all of a manuscript, but they'll read part of it. Oh, okay. So it's quite collaborative then. Yeah, definitely. Because there's so many different aspects that go into whether a manuscript's going to be successful or not. So the marketing and sales team has big say in things too mm. and contribute to where they think things could work better or things that we need to look at and consider. So as well as the other editors and publishers mm. have a look and give their opinions too. And there must be quite it must be quite different dealing with a picture book um, where illustrations are so much part of the book to a sort of solid novel for young readers, yeah, middle absolutely. school readers. Yeah. But that's what makes it really interesting. So mm. each book 
isn't just a different story and a different author, but they're like a completely different beast to yeah. work with. But that means your skills, you must have quite a broad skill set because you're not just dealing with, with a same type of book each time. You're no, really having a very wide range. Not at all. And young adult is quite different to middle years fiction. And yeah, so that's quite challenging, I would have thought. It is, it is, but it does make it really super interesting. Mm. I mean, the illustrative side, that is actually a completely different skill set because at the same time you edit text, you have to edit illustrations as well and give advice and feedback and what's working with the text and the illustrations together because they have to come together to make one greater whole. Yeah, I've never thought of that. Yes, I can see that. So it's got to be resonating with the words, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So what comes first, the picture or the words? For us, pretty much always the words. Yeah. And so when you get a picture book manuscript, it's often like one A4 sheet and from that you have to be able to visualise Yes. what direction it's going to go in. Yeah, because there's only one A4 sheet worth of words in the book yes, anyway. exactly. Yeah. And then so much of the story is told then in the illustrations. Mm. So they are much different than editing a novel. I know we can talk about some of the books at Fremantle Press in time and I know that some of the picture book authors are in fact illustrators, but do you often have to go and find an illustrator for a picture book or, or these days are you finding that they are largely author illustrators? We're probably... About half-half, and some people I've worked with in the past as illustrators for other authors' texts have now come forward with their own material, which is fantastic. Yes. Moira Court, for example, she started as an illustrator of other people's work and is now writing and illustrating her own Oh, that's work. pretty fantastic. All these hidden talents. Yes. In terms of the picture book genre, and I probably could apply this to actually all children's books, have you seen changes to the genre in terms of sort of trends of stories or I'm thinking of all the books that I read as a child and you know the books these days just seem so much richer and obviously the illustrations are insane having said that of course there were beautiful books when we were all younger as well but have you seen changes to the genre over the period of time that you've been a publisher? I think the main change is in terms of content and uh, that real drive for inclusivity. Okay, yeah. So in the past there was some token efforts, but publishing was very white. I think now there's a lot more work and effort being put into finding own voice stories and really broadening the scope of what's available. And are you very confident about the authors that we have in Western Australia. Oh, Western Australia is just a hotbed of talent. There's amazing depth in writers and illustrators. Yeah, really how exciting. Brilliant. Do you have a large submission list? I mean, are you getting them all the time? Yes, we get hundreds and hundreds and really, hundreds. Really, that many? Mm. Yeah. Gosh. Are you able to tell us what catches your interest as a publisher in the young adult or sort of novels for the upper middle school? What What sparks your interest what makes you think it oh this is a so for that story. age group it would normally be I mean it has to be well written but it would be if it was telling a story in a way that I hadn't read before that was super engaging that if I got to the end of my cup of tea and hadn't got up then I'd be thinking oh okay there's something yes. here something that just keeps you reading that you want to keep going with 
And do, do you ever get people of that age to read the books? Do yeah, you, absolutely. I, I wondered that, whether or not, you know, you ever, ever sit down with a, a group of young kids and give them some picture books or whether you ask young adults to read books as yeah, well. Yeah, no, we do, definitely. I used to, when my kids were in primary school, I used to do little reading sessions at the library for some of the poor children. Um, <laughs> and things that I would think were hilarious and they'd all just sit there. And then you'd read something else that you thought, whatever. And they'd all laugh uproariously or they'd respond really strongly. So it, it was really yes. what an adult wants and needs isn't necessarily the yeah. same. So you have to sort of put yourself in their shoes. and Yeah. Yeah, that's really so. interesting. You know, I know that there's a theory out there that there's only so many stories or there's only so you know, <laughs> there's only five fairy tales and every good story is, you know, based in some way. Is there a formula to story writing, do you think, for children's books? I don't think so, no. I think that sometimes it can be really hard to say why a book is working, why it's so great, why Harry Potter suddenly just took off in mm. such a phenomenal way when there'd been boarding school stories before and there'd been magic stories before. No, and Exactly, and there'd <laughs> been magical boarding school stories before. Yes. So there was something about that one. Yes. Indefinable that really captured people's imagination. Mm. So I think that it just, it, it's some magical combination, it really is. And it, if it was formulaic, then all publishers would be successful and all books would sell. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's that's true. The, the secret would be out there. <laughs> but do you think there are elements that good stories have? I mean, obviously you've said it has to be written well. But above and beyond that, you know, are there elements that, uh, is there a you know, rhythm to the language? Is there... You know, that capturing of people's imagination, is that really about the characters? It can be about setting, it can be about characters, it can be about the language itself. Mm. With a picture book, for example, I think the test is if the kids want to hear it again, that's a good thing. Mm. And if the parents can bear to keep reading it, you know, 500 <laughs> times, yes. that's a good test yes. too. Like if it's not the one that you hide under the sofa because you just absolutely cannot stomach it, it one more time. But that's incredible, isn't it? Because we all know as children the book that we go back to. I mean, I still go to my shelf and there's a, you know, you go back to certain books. And so I've never really thought about why, what was it about that? And I wonder, I, I think with picture books, sometimes there's the repetition as well, isn't there? There's the repetition of certain things. I think it? so, and that familiarity. Yes. But also I think it's very, it's very much an individual thing. Like if you ask 10 people what their favourite book is or their favourite book from childhood, mm. you wouldn't necessarily get any conformity of opinion because no. it's so much about where you were at at the point in time when it was read to you or you read it yourself or yes and the memory associated with yes. that book as well and then sometimes you go back and reread them as an adult and you think yeah I'm really not sure why that worked for me but it did <laughs> yeah now obviously Fremantle Press champions West Australian authors so I am interested in chatting with you about whether or not you think there is a uniquely Australian storytelling voice or you know whether or not there are characteristics to Australian stories or Australian writers that we're beginning to form this sort of unique Australian voice around children's books. I think one of the things that's unique about mm. Australian writing is how incredibly diverse it is. Okay. Like going to Bologna which is the big international children's book fair and you walk around and there's thousands and thousands of books, hundreds and hundreds of publishers and there's national stands as well mm. as um, individual publishers' stands. And you can see a uniformity in some national publishing. Yeah. And then you get to the Australian stand and it is 
anything goes. A kaleidoscope. It is incredibly diverse. Yeah. In terms of illustration, in terms of story, in terms of format, in terms of everything, there's not not one direction. So do you think our glorious isolation counts for something? I think it absolutely does. (laughs) Okay. Are there any there that you want to share? So you've got a a pile there of some of your books. I do indeed. Yeah, share a couple of those with us. One of the things that you were wondering about was where the illustrators come from and the crossover between illustrators and authors. Ones that are about to launch or have just launched is a new board book by Tracy Gibbs, who worked for Fremantle Press for a long time. She was our graphic designer. Oh, okay. Designed a lot of the books and the covers and yes. she's now a practising artist. And she does these amazing, huge, beautiful screen prints. And this is a collection of her wildflower artwork. Oh, how beautiful. And they're, they're just so gorgeous. And what's the title of the, title of the book? Is Let's Count Wildflowers by Tracy Gibbs. And in oh, fact, wow. that, that is a sort of a trend i suppose is a increase in the number of board books available and especially australian board books for a really long time the market here was principally either just the classic classics perceived classics of usually american and u.s publishing things like the very hungry caterpillar yes or lots of really cheap mass-produced books with snow and yes what have you whereas now there is and we certainly have been putting that on our list, um, a lot more Australian picture books. And these board books, were they designed in this thickness because of the age of the child yeah, reading them? Yeah, so they're okay. super robust. So you can give them to the tiniest baby. And, yes. I mean, they might knock themselves on the head with it, but they can chew them and they can pull them and yes. you can drop them out of the pram. And and so this book, uh, Let's Count Wildflowers, would be for what age group? Like zero to three? Yeah, zero to three. It's beautiful, isn't it? I will put some pictures of this on the because I'm getting the benefit of seeing these um, beautiful illustrations, but I will put some pictures of them on our Instagram. So these illustrations she has in a giant form. Yeah, enormous. Oh, how beautiful. A stunning collection of beautiful orchids and lechenoltias and stirp peas and kangaroo paws. It's just absolutely beautiful. So, yeah, when I'm looking for illustrators, we find them in all kinds of different places. Sometimes illustrators will send us electronic portfolios that we mm. can keep on file, but also from exhibitions and artists' Instagram sites and graffiti mm. and all kinds of different yes. places. But it's usually looking for something that is visually really engaging, but also something that's a little bit different yeah so that's like Moira's work who we were talking about before and she's just brought out at the dog park which I know you're gonna buy oh yes at the dog park by Moira Court instantly you had me (laughs) at the dog park how gorgeous and this has got a beautiful dog on the front that is Moira's dog that's That's Lucy and he's in this one she, she Lucy she's in this wonderful crouch position ready to jump oh gosh what a fantastic book See, I've got lots of adults I would like to buy this book for. (laughs) And you open the first page and there's just this series of dogs at the dog park. Oh, they're just gorgeous. And, you know, you recognise all of them, don't you? They're dogs that you've seen. And so most of the dog models were either Moira's dog park compatriots or their dogs that belong. So that's actually Tracy Gibbs' dog that we were just talking about. That's Graham. Graham. Of course it's Graham. And I, I like the fact that she actually also has a dog doing a poo i'm just gonna say it i'm just gonna say it she's actually got a dog doing what dogs do at dog parks excuse me listeners oh that's just gorgeous 
that's a lovely Christmas present, actually, this. This is lovely. And so yeah. she works in, she screen prints as well, but she tends to screen print the patterns and then she does a lot of cutting and pasting, collaging. So they've actually got this incredible 3D quality. So this texture mm. to the, yeah, and you can feel that actually with the, see, so that's interesting, isn't it? Because I suppose, and I might be jumping the gun here, but I suppose maybe in days gone by, there was a difference between an illustrator and an artist. Whereas now these books seem to me, these are artists. These are artists doing illustrations. Yeah. I mean, there is a difference in that an artist can create a one-off piece of work, mm. whereas an illustrator is actually trying to tell a story. And whether it's a parallel story to the written story or whether it's enhancing what's actually been written and, and literally illustrating elements of that, it does have to have a continuity and the character has to look the same. Yes. And the yes. consistency yeah, no, that. and that kind of thing. So there is a, an art of storytelling that an illustrator has. Yes. So they, they're sort of using the same stance. In the dogs, for example, sort of similar stance and similar look in the face. Mm. And so that then is the thread that runs through the, through book, the book as well. And I noticed that that stance there is repeated as well, which is these are just absolutely gorgeous book. What else is in your pile? What else? Okay. Um, Little Zhang, which came out really recently. So... Uh, Shirley March, this is for middle readers, sort of 10 to 14-year-olds, and it's stories that she used to get told as a little girl, so like from her mum, from her Chinese heritage, and it's about a hopping vampire zombie. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's resurrected by the mortician that lives next door to her parents' restaurant and wreaks havoc on the little town. And it actually has these remarkable similarities to the whole COVID nightmare, bizarrely because this <laughs> boom yeah. came out. Well, you know, the whole story was written long before that, but it actually does have amazing parallels. Oh, it's fantastic. And this would be for age group? So a middle primary. Yeah, so eight or nine, mm. years three, four or... That's fantastic. And also really cute illustrations as well. Oh, yes. I think that is perhaps another trend has been that move towards a, a greater embracing of visual literacy and graphic yes. novels and an understanding that they're not just comics, they're not some sub-form of reading, that they're actually really valuable, that reading is reading and yeah. if that's what kids want to be reading, then that should be encouraged. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is lovely. Okay, so that's little Zhang. Well, so like James Foley, who is in fact another illustrator turned writer, yes. writer-illustrator. So Chickensaurus is such a funny story. It stars his protagonist, Sally Tinker, who's the world's greatest inventor under the age of 12. And she has these various adventures where things go terribly wrong, mm. but she usually manages to save the day or her baby brother does. And in this one, her nemesis creates these Chickensauruses, which <laughs> it's <laughs> a devolving ray which uh, sends things back to their most primitive ancestor. So he has chickens that he sends back and they make sort of dinosaurs. Yes. Uh, and then they go berserk. That's hilarious. And that picture on the front says it all. A giant chicken-style dinosaur with sort of, you know, huge, I don't know what the things are that hang off chickens at the side, but it's pretty gross. <laughs> and kids love things that are gross, don't they? they oh, love, yes. They just love things so that yeah, are gross. So, yeah, normally James writes about poo and dung and what have you, lots of bum jokes. This and this one, there's a lot of dinosaur jokes. Yeah, excellent. And chicken jokes. And that one is, in fact, a graphic novel. So that is completely illustrated oh, yes. all throughout. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, really accessible for, I hate to say, a non-reader. Mm. Oh, We're absolutely. trying to encourage kids to read, to be able to read, you know, essentially a book this size, you know, a good, decent book, but for it all to be in the graphic form, it's just fantastic. 
Wow, and the illustrations, that's a pretty intense piece of work to it have produced very, all of that. It is <laughs> very hard work. Yeah. So that's Chicken Saurus by James Foley. That's great. And again, middle read, middle readers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah gorgeous. And because it's a very, it's a sophisticated and funny story in a really accessible form. Because that's the other thing, isn't it? Children these days they are so sophisticated, really, and you know you can't treat them as stupid when you're writing for them, can you at all? No, not at all. And I think that Virginia and I reviewed um, some middle years and, and young adult fiction in our last episode, and I think we both really agreed that the books are really quite sophisticated, but children get it. They completely get it when they're reading. Oh, absolutely. I mm. mean, when you look at what they look at on their screens all the time, it's so different than a lot of what we were yes. subjected to as yeah. kids. Yeah. <laughs> quite, quite different. And they've got so much content that they're watching all the time that's created by kids for kids, yes, not imposed on them by adults. No, and that, so I love that idea of an author who doesn't assume that he has to, he or she has to spell everything out. No, or moralise. And I think that's one of the mm. things that has really changed from books that we might remember from our childhood and certainly from our parents' childhood, yes. where there was that real feeling that books had to teach and preach. And yes, you know, whereas nowadays, yes, yeah, you're right. There was sort of that veneer of what respectability was and I'm um, thinking of a lot of Enid Blyton really and the, the relationships between the boys and the girls and with adults as well. Yes. That does seem to have gone. Quite different. Yeah. So as I said, Virginia and I just had this episode that we did where we reviewed these books and we reviewed a couple, Hannah Took's The Unadoptables, but we also reviewed Fremantle Press's The History of Mischief. That's Rebecca Higgy's oh. book, which I really, really enjoyed. And Look, I don't know if it's something to do with the fact that we're living in uncertain times at the moment or the fact that these books are quite sophisticated, but they really do appeal to adults as well. They do. They're actually, I think, statistically, that more adults read young adult fiction than that young right? adults, yes. Yeah. I mean, we read a few in earlier episodes of the podcast as well, and that was also our response. And it, it wasn't just that I felt comforted reading that genre. I really appreciated being able to lose myself as well in the in sort the of fantasy and the story, which you don't always get with adult fiction these no, days. you don't. I think there is a real focus on storytelling in young adult books in general. Yes. And that people love that. They love yeah. a good plot. They like strong Yeah, because there's a lot of detail, isn't mm. there, really? And on that note, I was so struck with this book at the level of research that Rebecca must have done. Incredible amount of wasn't research. It? Ten years in the writing. Ten years. Yeah. Wow. Because I, it sent me off to Google, you know, so I'd read one of her <laughs> interspersing histories, whether it was, you know, set in ancient Greece or in the siege of Paris, and I was sort of, yeah, I need to know a bit more about that. <laughs> <laughs> off I went. <laughs> and yet, and I guess this brings me back to what we were talking about earlier, and yet it still felt like, a really Australian story. And as little Jessie, obviously, she's yes. living in a almost a country town, not quite, a town out of the CBD. But it still felt like a really Australian story. And I don't know what that is, whether it's grounded in place or the characters, but... Well, I think with this one, partly, that's Jessie's voice. Like, she yes. is a very... She sounds like a little Australian girl. Yes. She really does. Yes. And her setting, not the history so no. much. But, yeah, it really does give it that Australian... 
yes. flavour. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I suppose the interaction at primary school and... Yeah, so yeah. those things that are familiar to yes. an Australian reader, yeah, no, but at the same time not alienating to no, someone who no. wasn't familiar with them. Well, and, and so sort of universal, really. It's so accessible for everybody else because of the interwoven histories and histories. Yeah, so it's I mean, just that's fantastic. one of those books... Like you asked me before, what, what makes a book stand? That one was one that you start reading and you just had to keep reading. Yes. Like it really, that was entered in the Fogarty Awards and was the winner. And when we were reading through this huge pile of manuscripts, that one really stood out. Yeah. No, it's just an extraordinary book. I've just really enjoyed it. And as I said, I will be recommending it to quite a lot of adults as well because um, it's by no means, I think, confined to a younger reader. Are there any other books in the pipeline you can mention? Oh, through? there's always lots. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but because no. otherwise by the time you they come out, yeah, everyone's forgotten. But other real highlights for this year was the Young Readers edition of My Place, yes, um, which is one of the great Australian classics. So that's My Place by Sally Morgan. And, of course, there is a an adult, original yes, adult version. Yes, there's the original adult the version, which still exists. And this one, what we did is... Just pare it down a little bit. So it is the same story, the same characters. There's no scenes yeah. deleted. It's not a sanitised version or a, anything like that. It's just a slightly condensed version to make it more accessible for younger readers. And can you just mention, for those that don't know, um, a lot of Australian readers obviously know My Place. It's an iconic book. Could you just give us a little bit of a, a flavour of what the yeah, story is about? So it's Sally Morgan's journey of discovery into her family heritage and finding out where her nan came from and her mum because they wouldn't talk about it. Mm. Sally thought she was had Indian heritage, but she didn't at all. She actually had Aboriginal heritage, mm. but it was safer not to acknowledge that. And so it took her a long time to find the stories, get the stories, meet some of the other family members and bring the whole story together. Mm. And the way... The, the way she tells it is just so beautiful. It is, yeah. Well, it's heartbreaking, but mm. at the same time, it's really heartwarming. And wonderful to have brought it for younger readers as well, because, I mean, I, I can still remember the first time I read My Place as an adult, and it really is a book that you want to share a story. It's a story you want younger people to have access to. Yeah, I think it's a really important story that we want as many readers to have mm. access to as possible. Mm. And what's that other one? Uh, what Colour is the Sea came out earlier this year. Yes. And we launched this at the York Library. Yes, okay. We talked about York earlier. Yes. And so she is, Katie Stewart is a farmer up there. Right. And she did all the illustrations and the story and she works completely digitally. Wow. And so when she sent sample illustrations to me, I thought they were pastel. And she said, oh, no, 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 I just do them all. Wow. On the computer. And they're just... They're incredible. Extraordinary. So that's the other thing. There's all the different medias that are now coming into mm. illustrations as well. I mean, the old days, I'm sure Alice Nutley and Beatrix Potter sort of, you know, did their little plates, didn't yes. they? They did little plates. Absolutely. Of, but now the media that's available for uh, illustrators and artists is so extraordinary. Um, oh, this is gorgeous. This is about a koala. And she wants to know what colour the sea is and all her, an all her animal friends give her different answers. So she has to go and find out so for herself. So she has to walk to the sea and find out for herself. And there's a beautiful blue wren. Two beautiful illustrations. I'll have to put a picture of this one up as well. What colour is this sea by Katie Stewart? 
Now, Kate, uh, what I do want to ask you is, do you have a story in you? You <laughs> must have a story in you. I can't believe that. <laughs> I am firmly a reader, Are not you? a writer, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Very much so. I read so many books all day and for pleasure as well, and I am not tempted to write. And what do you like to read for pleasure? Depends a lot. When my kids were younger, I'd read a lot more YA than I do yes. now, and middle readers sort of reading with them or to find recommendations yes. for them. So I did lots lots and lots of parallel reading. But now I'm much more focused on adult yes. fiction. Yes, and there isn't a particular genre that you go to. What do you, Would no. there be a go-to genre or you're just not open really. to? really, fairly open yes. to most things. You're not like a closet crime queen or a... <laughs> No, we have one of those in the office, but that's not me. <laughs> well, thank you very much for chatting with us today. I think it's really interesting for our listeners to have a little bit of insight into sort of what happens in the back rooms, really, before a book appears on the shelf in their library or in their bookshop. Kate Sutherland from the Fremantle Press. Thanks, Louise. Stop.